Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. 89 days until the most important election of our lives. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we're giving you the tools to help us win. It's been a remarkable and historic week with landmark legislative victories by the Democrats, real momentum heading into the midterms, and real consequences looming for Trump. Mariah is off, so helping me dissect it all with his characteristic precision and snark is political commentator and the host of the No Lie podcast, Brian Tyler Cohen. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. So excited to have BTC himself, Brian Tyler Cohen, joining to help us out while Mariah is away. Before I bring him in, I just want to remind everyone about our live show coming up on August 22nd. That's really soon in Los Angeles. If you're in Los Angeles, why wouldn't you come? Go to HowWeWinLive.com to get your tickets. It's going to be a super pod with the Midas Touch guys, with Allison Gill from Muller She Wrote, with Frangela, and with Kathy Griffin. And we might even break some news about that show later on in this podcast with Brian. So stick around to hear that. But don't wait. Get your tickets at HowWeWinLive.com. But um, we have a lot to talk about. So without further ado, let me bring in Brian right now. Brian Tyler Cohen is the host of No Lie, where he covers the most important and breaking political stories of the week. You've seen all his many fantastic videos where he deftly explains the issues, exposing the GOP hypocrisy and fights back against disinformation and lies. BTC, it's great to see you and thanks for coming back on How We Win. Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I can't believe it's been this long, but you helped out when Mariah was on vacation before. Right. It was two years ago. I looked back. That was two oh years ago. Oh, my God. Ago. Really? Yeah, I know. Wow. Time is just, uh, yeah, we're just kind of caught in this in this flat circle and everything every day just kind of blends into the next. And <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sense. I, 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 I believe it. Yeah, yeah. I I thought I'd been doing this show actually for two years, and then because this month was my anniversary, I'm like, no, it's been three years since I've been yeah. doing this. So, um, anyway, I appreciate your help on this historic week. There's a whole lot to talk about, and I also want to hear a little bit about your personal story for people who haven't. Uh, but we got to jump right in with the former president's home in Florida being searched by the FBI yesterday. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this and, and what do you think this means moving forward? Well, I should say for the record that I never doubted Merrick Garland for a second. Merrick Quiet and, uh, Storm Garland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of those, uh, all of those videos I made telling him to hurry his ass up, just, uh, <laughs> that's, those in the vault, never doubted him for a second. Um, uh, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, I think, uh, I think this is exactly what needs to be done. I think that you know, I think what's most telling about this is the reaction from the right is like, you know, running around with their hair caught on fire and trying to claim that this is, you know, the result of the weaponization of the DOJ and that Biden's getting political retrib- retribution for January sixth and on and on and on. What everyone is missing is the fact that 
Donald Trump is believed to have committed crimes. That's why this is happening. You know, yeah. they're claiming that it's for all of these political reasons, and they're giving a million and one political reasons, the conspiracy theorists out there. But we know exactly what happened. We just saw eight January 6th committee hearings. We've seen it from the perspective of the DOJ, from the vice president, from elections officials, from uh, aides and campaign officials and senior administration officials. We know exactly what Donald Trump did. We even know what he himself did, or, or rather didn't do during those 187 minutes during the actual Capitol insurrection. So we're well aware of all of these things. So then to, to then turn around and like have this cognitive dissonance where we pretend that this is such a surprise and we have no idea how this could possibly be happening is just, it's, it's laughable at this point. Yeah, it really is. And to your point about Merrick Garland and his, uh, we'll just call it a cautious approach to all of this. Yes, yes. Uh, um, you, what's really exciting to me, and I don't want to get too deep into the schadenfreude of it all, um, because there's some very dark overtones to this too, but hell, I'm going to just go there right now. What's exciting to me is knowing that uh, this subpoena wouldn't have been honored. This go-ahead would not have happened if there wasn't some serious certainty that they had uh, proof of, of crimes at Mar-a-Lago to be seized. And, um, you know, as you said, uh, Merrick Garland has been very meticulous, very methodical, um, painfully slow on this. But, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you it's, know. It's almost better. I mean, as as hard as that is for me to say, because we've been so impatient and this has gone so painfully slow, but the fact that we do have somebody who's so meticulous, who isn't willing to just jump in all willy-nilly like Merrick Garland, I mean, it's, you know, when this stuff ultimately does play out, when it's actually going through and 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 uh, and these uh, raids are occurring and, and the subpoenas are being issued, uh, search warrants are being granted, mm -hmm. It's the result of someone who is meticulous, who wasn't, who's already proven, you know, to our own dismay as Democrats, to our own frustration as Democrats, that this is somebody who's not going to skip any steps. And uh, I think that actually now, you know, now that we've gotten through this hard part and we're actually seeing some accountability or these steps toward accountability, it's actually right. playing to our advantage because we had somebody who was so meticulous. Yeah. And I mean, of course, GOP doesn't care about the the facts of that and and how that's gone no down. they're, they're just... gonna they're, here's the thing you know there were all these concerns about merrick garland and the doj looking like they're being political and yet they waited so long they followed the letter of the law to a t and the republicans are still claiming that he's a partisan hack so right there really is no point in configuring your actions in a way that's like that's being done to placate these Republicans because we all know that at the end of the day, they're going to call you a partisan actor anyway. Yeah. So that's why the important thing is just to follow the law regardless of what these people say because we know what they're going to say and they're going to say the same thing regardless of you, regardless of whether you jump right in or whether you are as meticulous as Merrick Garland was. Yeah. It reminds me of that ridiculous argument for not eliminating the filibuster because we don't want the Republicans to do the same thing when they're in power. Right. Guess what? They already fucking did, and they'll yeah. do it again. Right. Um, right. God, God forbid the Republicans uh, turn around and, and, abu and abuse the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the levers of government to their own partisan advantage. Uh, the other thing about this that's breaking right now as we are recording is that House Republican Scott Perry had his cell phone seized today by the FBI. Uh, I wonder how squirrely this is going to make the rest of Trump's congressional co-conspirators. 
yeah, I mean, they must not feel great about this, but at the same time, they knew what they were doing from from the start, right? I mean, you have a whole list of people who asked Trump for Pardons. a presidential pardon. Yeah. That, that that didn't happen in a vacuum. These people clearly had consciousness of guilt. They clearly knew what they were doing was wrong. If you think that everything that you're doing is on the level, you don't turn around and ask to be uh, to be pardoned for what you've just done. So, I think you know uh, we can curse. Yeah, I just did. I fucking yeah, all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would just say, you know, like that was the fucking around part. This is the finding out part. And so, uh, yeah, you know, right. I, I think that we we can't be surprised any any more than than they're not surprised. Uh, these these officials who immediately after doing what they did asked Trump for a pardon anyway. Yeah, and the the Scott Perry uh, phone seizure today is interesting because of course the reporting is that the Mar-a-Lago subpoena was in relation to the um, uh, archives documents and uh, that uh, Trump had refused to hand over. This it falls squarely on January 6th. Um, I don't know the details. It's breaking right now. But I do know that there was reports of multiple texts between Perry who – as you said, was one of the people who asked for a pardon um, between Perry and Mark Meadows. Um, we've been seeing lots of reporting of deleted texts, of documents being destroyed, Meadows putting documents in the fire, even uh, photographic evidence of Trump flushing documents. So um, this kind of goes to the heart, I would think, of January 6th. But I've been kind of taking glee in this uh, there's no doubt that this type of action from the Justice Department is necessary and long overdue, but it is scary to see the response from the MAGA faithful and how the GOP is once again inciting potential violence in response to this and, and how social media is responding to it. As a leader in progressive media, you you get a lot of right-wing trolling. So are you seeing a kind of a heightened tone on social media? Are you worried about this escalation? You know, the inclination when you see this from some of these right-wing provocateurs is is to get a little worried because obviously, you know, as somebody who doesn't want another January 6th, uh, you want to you, – obviously when you see this kind of rhetoric sprout back up, it harkens back to exactly that. But I think the important part to remember here is like this is over that. This, this concerns that. This concerns the last time that there was political violence. So mm – -hmm. If we don't do anything to hold those people accountable, we're just leaving yeah. the door open for exactly that to happen again. So we can't be worried about political violence or or say or say, oh, let's let's not let's not hold these people to account because we're afraid of what might happen. Because by virtue of doing nothing, that will only embolden those exact people to do it again. So the only answer here, regardless of how worried anybody is about political violence sprouting back up, is to hold these people accountable. That's it. We have we have no other choice. Otherwise, it's a green light for them to just keep making these threats, keep making good on these threats, and uh, and basically hold everybody hostage to a bunch of like dangerous militants. Yeah, I I um I agree with you a hundred percent, of course. And I guess it was kind of a dumb question in, in a way because no, like we it's, don't it's, we don't have a choice. But we, we don't have a choice. But it, but it's not because because. As as like a normal, rational person, when you see threats of violence, your initial reaction is to figure out how to how to tamp down the temperature, right? How to okay, like you know, take a step back. What can we do to to quell this? What can we do to make sure that cooler heads prevail? And so, so 
it is kind of reasonable to think like, okay, maybe we shouldn't do something that would uh, would incite the other side. But like then when you think about why we're here in the first place, it's because we allowed political violence to occur in the first place. But but it's not it's not unreasonable to think that like as a as a as a rational person, you don't want there to be political violence and you would seek a way to like make it not happen. Yeah, and I guess I just didn't want to be so totally flippant because I I do understand and and really feel like there will be some dark uh, events that come out of this, um, and hopefully we can stop that from happening, or authorities can yeah, I mean, look, can see that. You know, but you know, we we have we have processes in place that are going to hold these people accountable. We're watching it happen right now. Uh, there are more than 700, 800 January 6th uh, defendants who are being prosecuted as we speak. So if if more people want to incite or commit political violence, um, they can't claim that they don't know what's going to happen, you know? Yeah. Well, let's talk. We are, Every news item, as you know, on our show, we, we like to talk about what our role is in it. So um, uh, in terms of, of these, you know, besides kind of doing a, a whatever your version of a jig is and being happy that <laughs> Trump uh, is looking to be facing some uh, consequences for his actions. Um, we need to be loud. We need to insist on justice. We need to insist on the truth and insist on law and order because right now we are getting just a ridiculous 360 from the GOP calling, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene calling to defund the FBI, you know, and like the, the party that's- how quickly. <laughs> How quickly they've gone from back the blue to to defund the blue is uh, is just mind boggling here. It's not unsurprising, but um, but our our role is to keep amplifying the truth, you know, and and not let it fall into this rhetoric of like, oh, if this can happen to Trump, it could happen to any of us. Like, I'll keep that in mind. The last time I I take home some top secret documents from the yeah. federal government, exactly. <laughs> I think that's the I think I think you're spot on there. I think it's important there's going to be a ton of obfuscation, there's going to be a ton of distractions and deflection. I think the important thing to remember is that despite the fact that Republicans are going to claim that this is about the politicization of the DOJ, that this is about political retribution, that this is on and on and on with all of their excuses, Trump is believed to have broken the law. He's being held accountable for his actions. That's it. It's as simple as that. If he if 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 Republicans didn't want this to happen, they would not. They would not elevate somebody who has such a proclivity to break the law. It's as simple as that. This is just you know the consequences of his own actions. It's insane that they are are still going to bat for this guy. But um, enough about him because uh, you know I want to talk about really the positive stuff. Biden just had the best week, really two weeks of his presidency. Uh, let's not let Trump's troubles overwhelm these achievements. Uh, so you had Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg on your podcast to talk about this. So let's talk about Build Back Better. I mean, uh, sorry, checking my uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. There it is. How big a deal is this legislation? I mean, this is this is it. This is going to be the the cornerstone of the Biden presidency. This is the landmark piece of legislation. It's the biggest investment in clean energy in U.S. history. It is uh, finally allows Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. It caps out-of-pocket costs um, for certain patients at $2,000 a year. It imposes a 15% corporate minimum tax uh, on billion-dollar corporations that have gotten away with paying nothing in mm -hmm. taxes. It uh, funds the IRS so that these t 
tax cheats who are getting away with, again, not paying into the system that we all benefit from uh, so that they can finally pay their fair share. Every provision of this bill is wildly popular. And I think it's telling, too, that you know every step of the way, Republicans sought to block it. And it just kind of goes to show who they're working for, who they're working on behalf yeah, of, because yeah, of I mean, all of this stuff is, is just, you know, whether it's climate, whether it's uh, healthcare, whether it's, you know, just making these ultra rich corporations and people pay their fair share in terms of taxes. This is all stuff that, that these special interest groups and these rich lobbyists and, and the ultra wealthy among them fought tooth and nail to stop. And it's all stuff that benefits the vast majority of Americans. So I think that kind of speaks volumes right there. It's so exciting. I, and I mean, talk about accountability to actually uh, make, uh, you know, the pharmaceutical industry accountable, you know, who've been you know jacking up drug prices on yeah. Americans who can't afford it uh, since drugs. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, Since the beginning of drugs. Yes, right. exactly. I mean, this this is all stuff that polls 70, 80, 90 percent support in the United States. And the fact that we couldn't get it done up to now is is mind boggling and also a testament to how broken our system of government is. Actually, I should I should edit myself there because it's actually not broken. It's working exactly how they intend it to work. That's right. The problem is there just aren't enough people working on behalf of us and too many people working on behalf of the lobbyists and special interests who pay their re-election campaigns, who fund their re-election campaigns. So, I mean, luckily now, you know, because because all of those people showed up in Georgia and we have two more senators from Georgia, we've, we're finally able to, to get this done. I think these, those people deserve a ton of credit yeah. and the people who are working right now, including you guys, to continue to register more voters and keep people engaged and activated and educated in terms of what's going on. I think that's going to pay dividends because, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're seeing that payout right now, years later from the Georgia runoffs. And, and now, you know, we have this landmark piece of legislation where we can finally get funding uh, for clean energy. We can finally uh, allow the government to negotiate lower drug prices and use those economies of scale so that Americans aren't getting ripped off by these pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, it's uh, it's really important. And um, our, our role in it uh, is to talk about it. A lot because um, the the provisions that you spoke about, 370 billion into programs to cut greenhouse gas emissions, it allows Medicare to negotiate drug costs by giving companies less freedom to set high prices, stuff like that. The cap on drugs for seniors, all of these things, the uh, the insulin uh, cap for people on Medicare, which of course could have been for through. everybody, yeah. but the Republicans blocked that because they apparently want to continue to make insulin exp expensive for citizens. Um, but anyway, all, all of those things, the subsidies for Obamacare, um, making the corporations pay their taxes, these aren't things that voters are going to necessarily feel. They certainly won't before the midterms. And a lot of this is the kind of stuff that's going to make their lives better kind of behind the scenes. But it's up to us to really talk about this and let people know how this is affected. When we're knocking on doors, certainly when we're making phone calls, if you're on social media, if you have a small following or a large following, we really need to be banging this drum and letting people know about these provisions, what it's doing for their lives. Because they're not gonna see it right away. It's not. It's not like uh, they're getting checks like they did at the beginning of COVID. They're gonna show up in the mail and be like, "Oh, thanks, I got a Biden check." You know. 
But at the same time, you know, I think, especially among young people, just to know that something is being done for climate, this is something that that we wouldn't see anyway, regardless of how big the investment was in climate, even if it was the investment that was put forward in the original Build Back Better. I mean, just to know something is being done is still something that is a lot of people's main issue. It's my number one issue. It's mm -hmm. it's the number one thing that drives me in politics is to make sure that something is done uh, to combat the worst effects of climate change. And so because you just knowing, care about having a future. Because, yeah, yeah, just for starters, uh, maybe <laughs> right. like humanity as a whole, the existence of, uh, right. of humanity. Yeah. But like, you know, that is never really something I'm going to see the, the the tangible impacts of un mm -hmm. until later on when hopefully we see these thousand year storms start to dissipate and and, uh, you know, and and fewer droughts and floods with the extreme to the extent that they're happening right now. Right. But. You know, just to know that something's being done, that the government is focusing on it, is still just as important to me as if I was walking out to the mailbox and opening up a check. And I, and I think a lot of young people especially are in that boat, just to know that, you know, for a lot of young people who, you know, for whom Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid isn't their, their, their top issue, obviously, um, it's going to be stuff like climate, which you'll never really be able to to go to the mailbox and 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 touch the impacts of. But at the same time, you just, you know, what's happening. And that's, that's a, a really important driving force for a lot of young people. It really is. And uh, I, I'm still kind of in disbelief that we got something like that done. Um, Cause it's been so too little, so too late, but this is, this is really remarkable. Yeah. Um, so that leads us into the last thing that I want to talk about with you, and that's um, the momentum we have right now going into the midterms. Um, last week, Kansas, a very red state, voted overwhelmingly to keep abortion legal. Um, primaries are happening right now as we speak. Um, I personally think that Democrats have the best case moving into the midterms that I can kind of remember like in any election term. Like if you need a narrative going into an election, you want to have, uh, you know, things that you can talk about that are successes, things that you can really run on your platform, where you've been successful and, and, and where you're going to move forward. And you also need a good villain too. You need, you need to, you know, know what you're against or what you're fighting against. And usually we don't have both of those things. And, and recently- Usually we don't have either one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. Or either, you know, but, you know, it's been a lot of, okay, we're against Trump, but, here, you know, I mean, we, we know what our platform is as, as Democrats, yeah. but now we really have Democrats deliver. We've had the CHIPS Act, Healthcare for Veterans, the PACT Act, gun legislation being passed. And of course, uh, Inflation Reduction Act, which we'll just call Build Back Better, but it's the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and then we have what we're against, which is these real threats to our democracy. GOP are anti-democratic fascists who are literally taking away our rights. Row rage is real and is galvanizing voters. And uh, we actually have the Supreme Court on Democrats' mind. This Supreme Court, which has been a galvanizing force for Republican voters for decades now, and Democrats have never seemed to really get it. Like that's not yeah. been something that's brought them to the polls. Now they're really doing it. So um, how are you feeling about this momentum that we have in these uh, you know, victories going into the midterms? Yeah, I think it's a, you know, a double-edged sword because, because it's 
it's a shame that it takes something like the stripping of bodily autonomy away from Americans to to force this many people to pay attention. But at the same time, uh, it happened, and the Supreme Court ruled the way they did, and Republicans are seeking to go even further by trying to ban interstate travel, trying to ban contraception, speaking about overturning Obergefell, which is the right mm-hmm. to to uh, uh, marry same-sex partners, right. and on and on, and they're not going to stop there. They've, you know, any civil right they can strip away, they're seeking to do exactly that. And so, you know, these are these are unforced errors on their own side. And so, if if that means that people are paying attention because of those things, then then let's make sure to highlight those things because it's happening. And you know, I know for years people have on the left in in quieter voices have kind of tried to highlight the fact that this is coming and it's you know it's easy to cast this stuff off as just kind of hysterics Mm. because you know we see so much bad stuff happening and you're like all right well they've been fighting against roe for 50 years it's you know it's not actually going to happen but jennifer lawrence and uh don't look up basically yeah yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) but like it's it's you know it's happened and it's kind of shown the extent to which these Republicans will stop at nothing, no matter how unpopular their agenda is. And so use this and kind of show people moving forward that it's not just about abortion. It's about same-sex marriages, about contraception, it's about all of these things that touch people's lives. And so uh, I think people are finally understanding the extent to which these Republicans are completely unaccountable to anybody, unaccountable to even any semblance of the will of the majority of Americans. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, you know, shout it from the rooftops and make sure that everybody knows. I think people are finally waking up to these facts. Uh, Obviously, you were talking about Kansas before. Um, I just saw analysis online that more Democrats came out to vote than Republicans for this uh, primary. And and there was no contested primary on the Democratic side. It was, it, you know, these, it's Republicans who show up for these primaries because right. it's, a, it's a red state. Um, and 100,000 independent voters showed up who weren't able to vote in either primary. They just showed up to vote on this issue. And that should be a wake up call to everybody in every single state in this country that it's not just our, you know, what we what we historically consider a red state and a blue state. And then we can write all these states off because, well, that's a red state anyway. If you can have such a massive swing in a state like Kansas, which is, for all intents and purposes, a red state. They have a red uh, state house, state senate. Um, obviously, you know, their senators, their U.S. senators are, mm-hmm. are both Republicans. They have, uh, I believe, only one Democratic lawmaker from, from their house delegation. So this is a red state. And for a state like that to have see such a massive swing, imagine what we're going to be able to do in, you know, these these. D plus one, D plus two, or even R plus one, two, three, four districts when yeah. you have swings like that. Um, so this is absolutely an issue that should mobilize people. It's something that we should pound the pavement about every day. It's something that we should scream about every day because it's happening. Um, and if we don't, if we don't make sure that every single person out there knows what's at stake uh, in this election, then then there should be zero doubt about what's actually going to happen if they do win. You know, if they do win in the individual states where they're already banning abortion, you know, Indiana just passed an abortion ban. Yeah. Um, and what they'll do, you know, with regard to interstate travel, what they'll do with regard to contraception. So we have to make sure that people are aware now, not just not just that they know after all this shit's happened, uh, what the consequences of it are. Because, like... Man, I am I am so sick of sitting around and waiting and only 
only being made aware of something once it's been stripped away or once it's been overturned or once it's been like once once we are mired in the worst effects of something um like like you said i mean most democrats don't pay attention to the courts the judiciary until until we're in a situation where it's a 6-3 conservative court and all of a sudden uh the right to a safe and legal abortion in the united states has been stripped away so uh you know for once i want to make sure that that Everybody is aware of what's happening before it happens so that we can take preventative steps uh, to, to, to fix it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the recent uh, legislation, all that we've seen shows the power of the vote. That's that's the other important takeaway. You know, a lot of people um, frustrated with uh, seeming inaction from the Democrats who who showed up to vote, maybe for the first time, um, like looking for that, especially young people uh, around climate and everything. Yeah. I think this, this I shows- get it, man. I, I was part of that. I was part of that course. I remember at the end of this past year, um, sitting around thinking, you know, we've had our first full year of the Biden presidency. And the only legislative achievement that we're going to have going into midterms is going to be uh, an infrastructure package. As if all of these young people came out, you know, hoping for an FDR-like presidency and they're going to get a roads package. You know, they're going to get bridges and roads. So that, that was a huge worry for me. Um, and now, like you said, we have the PACT Act. Uh, we have CHIPS, which is going to bring the semiconductor chip industry to the United States. We have the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. So we'll have climate spending. We'll have um, health care spending. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Al-Zawahiri is dead. We have Kansas voters showing mm -hmm. us that people are willing to turn out for uh, the issue that the Democrats are on, on the right side of. We have all of the jobs that were lost during the pandemic came back, you know, on the on the back of this 528,000 July jobs report. We have unemployment that's come down to a 50-year low. So this is huge in terms of Democrats actually delivering. I don't think that I think that regardless of what party you're in, you can't deny uh, just how just how potent these last few weeks have been in terms of, you know, the strength of Democrats delivering on their agenda. And so, you know, I hope that well, young the people Republicans can, a, are, are pretty potent deniers, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no try, but I mean, you, you can't really argue with the fact that that these jobs are back, that that we're yeah. passing a ton of legislation, and that Al Zawahiri is dead. So yeah. uh, you can you can deny till you die, but but that's not going to change reality. But I think you know on the 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 two fronts that we have here, which is that Democrats are delivering, and hopefully that's waking up people to the fact that you know their votes. Um, their votes mattered in this past election. And second, you know, what's at stake? And we're seeing we're living in it right now. We're seeing we're seeing this push and pull right now in terms of what's going to happen with the future of Roe. Yeah. Um, well, you exemplified uh, right there how great you are at sort of breaking things down and explaining stuff. I want to talk a little bit about how you got your start before I I cut you loose because it's really inspiring to me. Uh, you started out making these explainer videos for Occupy Democrats. They really took off. Um, you just have a gift for breaking it down with just the right amount of snark too, you know, <laughs> and just appealing little jab. Um, you hit the ground running with your awesome podcast and your show is blown up. What were your expectations when you started doing this work? You know, my expectations when I started the podcast were, um, I guess, just to highlight some of the people in the Democratic Party, some of these elected officials, because, you know, we talk about them and they're like these nebulous figures and we talk, but we talk mostly about our issues. And I noticed how the right kind of lionizes their elected officials and they bring them on and they're like, they, they have these events like CPAC, which is, I mean, it's just, 
it's God, it's yeah. so over the top but these people think they think of themselves as like rock stars right and the democratic party people a lot of people had never even heard of of our elected officials we don't know who they are we see these two second sound bites from msnbc and cnn and you don't actually ever get to get a chance to to hear them on any longer form uh media platforms and so you know my goal was just hopefully to to be able to interview a few of these people and give them the chance to kind of explain what their goals were what they were trying to do what the legislation they were trying to pass is in their own words and that was a couple of years ago i believe that we are this upcoming week is going to be 118. So we're about two and a half years into the podcast, the weekly podcast. And, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate to be able to speak to, you know, everyone ranging from, uh, from Joe Biden to Kamala Harris to, to I've got Ron Klain coming up next week. I had Pete Buttigieg this week. I spoke with Jen Psaki, um, Adam Schiff, and Jamie Raskin, even a couple of Republicans. I've spoken with Jeff Duncan, the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia. I've spoken with uh, Adam Kinzinger, um, trying to speak I, with Liz I think Cheney, I was so. I think I was on that episode with Adam Kinzinger that you yeah. had. I think you paired me with him, which was yeah. fun. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, I you know, it's 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 been great to to kind of have this platform where I can allow some of these people in our party who are trying to do the right thing and pass good legislation the opportunity to reach people who they otherwise wouldn't reach because you know Democrats still unfortunately focus mostly on just you know leg legacy media. But if you don't watch CNN, yeah. if you don't watch MSNBC, you're not going to hear from these people. So it's really important. Um, it's really amazing to see the reach uh, and influence that you've been able to have with your platform. I, that must be, you know, really gratifying and at times overwhelming. It was. I was so excited to see you at the White House, sitting down in person with Joseph Robinette Biden. Uh, what was that like? That was. Uh, I think that was probably one of the best days of my life. It was. It was really. Uh, amazing to be there. I mean, you got to remember too, like this is a place that I see every day, but it's kind of like, it, it's kind of like a movie set, right? Because it's just, yeah. you've seen it so many times, you become kind of um, numb to it, numb to what it actually is. And then, and then when you go there, um, it has this whole other feel that's unlike anything I've ever seen. And, and I've been you know, I've been, I lived in Europe for a couple of years right after college. So I've been to all like these great cathedrals and in the Vatican and, and in, you know, like I've been to cool places, places that had a ton of history behind them. But, but the feeling that you get in the white house is just like, it has this, um, has this like majesty to it. Uh, and it's like corny to say, but it, but it yeah. does. And you feel like you're somewhere with so much history and weight and importance. Um, it was, it was just like, you know, it was the first time I ever felt like I was, I ever felt that feeling. And uh, so that was great. And, and, and then besides being able to speak with, uh, with, with the president, you know, I, I was able to m meet all of these other people in person who I'd done so many videos about. I mean, <laughs> God knows how many videos I've done about Jen Psaki. And, and then I just walked in and it was like, it's kind of like these people are kind of like ca cartoon characters to me because I just see them. <laughs> right. I just see them like on TV every day and they're just, you know, they're always there. They're in every episode. And, yeah. uh, and then I saw them in real life and it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but everyone was super gracious and, and it was, it was good to know too, that, that they kind of 
appreciated and understood the importance of non-traditional media because that's kind of been an uphill battle for not just me, but I think everybody on the left. I think the right has embraced it so much more than the left has. Absolutely. So for these people at the highest levels of government to understand the importance of like what some guy is doing on YouTube and on a podcast was was a really reassuring feeling, um, especially as you know the rest of the progressive media ecosystem continues to build itself out. Just to know that we have um, the eyes and ears of people at the highest levels of our party, the highest levels of our government, who are kind of like doing what they can to to validate people. And you know they've they've spoken not just to me but to other people, uh, other you know. Uh, young people, other creators, and I think that's important for them to recognize, like where people are getting their news more and more from these days. Absolutely. Well, it's really exciting to to see all that, and um, that was a really cool interview. Um, I want to uh, real quick talk about this week's to do list, and then I want to get your reason for hope. But first, I want to make sure I give everyone their marching orders this week. Uh, once again. If you are in L.A. on August 22nd, of course, you're going to want to come to our How We Win live podcast. It's a live super pod. I don't even know if you know about this, Brian, but we're doing a live show with Allison Gill from Muller She Wrote with the guys from the Midas Touch podcast with a hilarious Frangela duo. And Kathy Griffin is also our special guest. It's going to be a really great super pod on August 22nd, Los Angeles. Go to HowWeWinLive.com to get your tickets for that. Tickets are still available, but get them now. Also, we are raising funds for our How We Win Fund, uh, swingleft.org slash fundraise slash How We Win. You know it. You love it. You've probably already given if you listen to this podcast, but uh, keep donating. Uh, we've just gotten behind some primaries. We have some candidates that we are newly supporting, so that's very exciting as well. Uh, all of these links will be on our show notes. Uh, the last thing that I want to talk about, and Brian, you might remember this, um, Swing Left just launched the last weekend once again. Do you remember this from previous election cycles? Yes. Yes, we actually talked about it last time. Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, they're doing The Last Weekend again. You can go to thelastweekend.org to sign up. It's uh, a coalition between Swing Left, Stand Up America, Supermajority, Vote Forward, Emerge, Blue Revolution, the National Democratic Training Committee, and a few other organizations. Uh, I encourage everyone to be part of this coalition because voting is very, very important, but it's so pivotal that we all pledge to volunteer, and that's what The Last Weekend is about. It's about pledging to volunteer in that crucial uh, last four days before election day. Um, it's been a really successful um, endeavor for uh, Swing Left in the last few election cycles. So I encourage everyone to go to thelastweekend.org and sign up. Those That's your to-do list. Are you going to do any of those things, Brian? I I would I would love to go to that show. <laughs> Come to the show, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're in L.A. Why wouldn't you? August twenty second. Yeah. That I think, sounds great. I think I can hook you, but but you gotta. But that's but that's way before the last weekend. Um, it is, but maybe yeah. maybe I don't know. Maybe we should. Uh, should we break news right now? Do you want to come be part of the live show with us? Let's see. What what is the, what is, do I have to speak? Well, you would have to, of course. It'd be a live fucking podcast. Yeah. We can't. We're not going to have it. Brian Tyler Cohen sitting in the audience, right? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. That'd be fun. All right, we're breaking news. Brian Tyler Cohen is joining our How We Win Live. Su the Super Pod got much superer. 
Got super. Let's do it. That'd be fun. Yeah. Got more I'm super. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be so fun. So, um, all right. Uh, that's exciting. That just gave me hope. Uh, I want to talk about our reasons for hope. Then I'm going to cut you loose. Um, my reason for hope is really justice being served. You know, to see Trump's house, uh, house the the FBI seizing documents and um, and searching uh, Mar-a-Lago, that actually gave me a lot of hope. To, to see some action from the Justice Department now with some of these GOP members of Congress, that's given me hope. We'll see where it leads. We don't know. These are unprecedented times. We've never seen anything like this, but uh, justice must be served and it looks like it's it's happening. What about you, Brian? What's your reason for hope? I would echo that, but I think just for the sake of just for the sake of differentiating here, um, <laughs> I think that what what happened in Kansas gave me a lot of hope because, you know, it's nice to see that these people could come out, um, people that that we know aren't all Democrats, and yet we're able to put their partisan affiliations aside and just kind of um, cast ballots for something that was that that's that's reasonable and and that's just like on the right side of humanity um, because so often we just think that wherever these people lie on the political spectrum is where all of their uh, where all of their ideologies lie and when you have something like this where Republicans truly have gone way off the cliff have gone too far and have like imposed this will that people don't want and we we hear that it's like you know 80% of Americans don't want this and yet we just kind of expect that when the votes are cast it's going to fall right down you know right down the the ideological uh, lines to see that these people came out and just kind of uh, cast their ballots for something that was the right, you know, on the right side of history here gave me right. a lot of hope. And it, it showed me that, you know, these people, um, regardless of political affiliation, still can focus on, on, on what's right. And I hope that we'll see so much more of that uh, in other races across the country. I love that. BTC, thanks so much. It's always fun to talk to you. God, I can't believe it's been two years since, we did, well, I was on your show more recently, but still, uh, I love our conversations. I'm excited to continue it on August 22nd, live. That's right. See you in just, uh, just a, a, a little That's, over a week here. Oh, shit. That is that is soon. All right. Um, and uh, and thanks for, again for filling in, man. And thanks for all that you do. Uh, it, it, you, it's really powerful, the work that you're doing, and I, I'm really grateful for it. Thank you, and, and right back at you. Thank you all so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or send us a tweet at Steve and at howwewinpod. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Share us with your friends and family. Help us build this community of informed and active volunteers. This truly is how we win. I appreciate you so much for being here. We will be back with some more next Wednesday. <laughs>